of Genesis. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so an enslaved child born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. He brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our psalm appointed this morning is Psalm 27. And we shall share that responsorially <laughs> using verse 1 as the refrain after each verse. So shall we practice that together? Your part is verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord, keep going. The Lord, the Lord is, is the strength, strength of my life. life. Of, of whom then shall I be afraid? afraid? Perhaps we need to hear this verse a lot these days. Therefore, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? The Lord is my and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? When evildoers came upon me to eat up my flesh, it was they, my foes, and my adversaries, who stumbled and fell. The Lord is my strength and my life. Of whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? Though an army should encamp against me, yet my heart shall not be afraid. The Lord is my life and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? And though war should rise up against me, yet Will I put my trust in God? The Lord, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? One thing I have asked of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? To behold the fair beauty of the Lord 
and to seek him in his temple. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom then shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom then shall I be afraid? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of our God. Now our feet are standing here within your gates. Truly you're a city of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. Glory, Glory to, to you, Lord, Lord Christ. Christ. Some Pharisees came and said to Jesus, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Jesus said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day I must be on my way because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you. And I tell you, you will not see me again until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I be afraid? We'll see. Um, over the last several weeks, apparently, I was here last week but not the previous week, one of the uh, uh, parent threads that, I don't know if the word exists even, but either advertently or inadvertently, um, the other has been a word that has been brought up and, and recognized. And so that's another piece, okay? 
The Lord is my light, my salvation. That's one. The other, that's number two. You think that there's a thread between these, we'll see. Uh, in our reading today, we have just heard about uh, the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees overall in the Gospels um, are perceived in a certain kind of way, depending upon the Gospel. Uh, the, the reading today is kind of open. We don't know what to really think of with the Pharisees, but I think that overall, if you were to ask the majority of Christians about the Pharisees, certainly the Pharisees of Jesus' time, that there was something wrong with them. They, they are uh, identified very often as um, a group that's uh, adversarial with Jesus, to say the, the, the least. And uh, as we get closer to um, Holy Week, um, that, if you will, drumbeat just gets louder and louder. Um, are they the other? Were they the other then? Are they the other now? That might be number three. I don't know how many of you know much of my story. Uh, some of you, because of time around me, have perhaps heard something or another. My father was raised as an Orthodox Jew. And um, when I um, moved here, became the pastor at one of the local Lutheran churches, one of the things that happened during the summer was that they had a summer camp over um, near Santa Cruz, and I would take uh, the kids over there for a week. Um, always wondered how Jeff could get pumped up about it. There were first several years that I had to do that. <laughs> You've got it. Um, ran into some interesting kind of stuff that I had not really run into when I was a kid. Um, we moved from what I considered my home church when I was 12 years of age down in Oxnard. And for the next number of years, until actually I was in high school, we were living around the country, uh, northern Illinois, um, Air Force Base north of Detroit, eastern Kentucky for three and a half years. I never went to summer camp, never went to church camp, never, 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 never. And I was kind of surprised when we got to, to this uh, business over in Santa Cruz when, and maybe some of you have heard one of these songs, um, apparently it's a favorite uh, of many uh, church camps, uh, and I'll do my best to replicate the, um, I'm certain, harmonious melodies of that experience. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Remember this one? I don't want to be a Pharisee, because a Pharisee ain't fair, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee, because a Sadducee is Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. And I thought, what in the world is this being done at church camp? I lived through a couple of those seasons, and then I went to the camp. Uh, they had a group of pastors that meet once during the week, at least once, 
more often than that, and said, what are you doing? And that was the end of that. (laughs) But it only was expressing what many people throughout the history of the church have um, identified with that group anyway. But I was done with it for reasons that you can guess. Um, I think that there were problems, but there are always problems between, between groups. And I would really ask, under the circumstances that we're working with, who is the other within this story? And what are we to do with it? Now, you're not going to hear me come down on the other side. I'm, I live in a fairly ambiguous world. Elizabeth laments that pretty much every day. But, um, but I want to talk a little bit about what it means to be the other and, and who is the other. Within our reading today, it is extremely ambiguous what they were trying to do. It could be understood that they just wanted Jesus out of their territory and they were using whatever tool was at hand in order to have him move right along because he posed a certain kind of threat to them. Um, But it could be, it could be that they were in some manner um, concerned about Jesus' welfare and wanted to at least give him a heads up about the situation. I took a look at several different uh, commentaries about this um, reading, and the, um, the manner in which this was addressed um, showed the ambiguity of, of the different voices that are out there, and it went all over the place. There, was, there is no clear answer. This is an ambiguous text, and we've got to live with it the way that it is. It kind of mirrors, I believe, our own existence. Where I'm heading finally is, and Jeff identified this last week quite well, he said, you know, very often the other is most quickly identified when you look in a mirror. We ourselves don't know ourselves, or we don't trust ourselves. For people who are used to participating in a liturgy that regularly uses confession as part of the service, we are asked to stop for a moment, at least a moment, and um, do a quick run over. Might be, who am I this moment? Could be, who am I generally? Who, who am I? And that question can be extremely troubling because we are chameleons, at least I am. All depends upon who the audience is. You know, with you guys, I get to dress up in white. I get to talk for a while. I get to sound, well, (laughs) I will not ask you about that afterwards, by the way, don't worry, because I'm not sure I want to know, because I get 
<laughs> I get as afraid of coming up here and speaking to you as you are afraid of me coming up here and speaking to you. <laughs> what do you hear and what do you see and what, if anything, do you get to explore? You noticed I stayed away from learn. What do you get a chance to explore? And what I'm asking for all of us to do is to stay within that kind of place of what does it mean to explore who I am? And what is it that I find myself um, encountering? And one of the things that I believe that we encounter is the whole question of what does it mean to trust in God? To another shorthand term for me is faith. Those two have got to be linked. Too many times I have heard people use the word faith as if it is another attribute like blue eyes or blonde hair or a male or a female or something in between or who knows what else as an identifier instead of recognizing that faith is not so much something that I own but something that Paul talks about saying is a gift. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. So I stopped trusting even in my faith. I've become very careful with that kind of verbiage. I am not to trust my faith. What we are called to, I think all of us are called to, is to trust God. Um, long time ago, um, part of the process of um, I know, Elizabeth, it's a continuing problem. Maturing, I was an electronic technician for Sonoma County in California. I had come out of the Air Force wondering, I thought that the Air Force was going to tell me what I was going to be when I grew up. They had no more idea than I did. I went, um, and I, but I had some electronics training. I needed to take care of myself to some degree. And um, I worked for them for several years. During that time, uh, the other guy that I worked with was uh, a retired Navy chief, uh, about 20 years older than I, and had a lot more experience than I did. Um, but I was 20 years younger, and so there were some jobs that I was called to do because I was a little bit more physically capable of carrying them out, one of which was to erect um, an additional antenna out on the uh, Sonoma coast because there were dead spots along the route that the sheriff's deputies followed, and they needed to be in touch with the base nearly all the time. Well, Jack looked at me and pulled out of his um, <laughs> technical library um, a couple of interesting items. Uh, some um, climbing spurs and a um, climbing belt. And uh, we didn't have to literally put the pole up, but we had to put the antenna on top of the pole after it was up. I used the word we very interestingly <laughs> because he identified us as we and I identified we as myself. And I had no experience with this kind of apparatus. 
said, well, you put the spurs on and you put the belt on and you lean back against the belt to go up. My inclination during those visits up to the top of the pole was to hug that pole like this. You know, both arms and both legs. It's an interesting problem that you have just generated because the closer you are to the pole, the more likely you are to slip and fall. Every cell in my body said, hold on to the pole. Jack said, you've got to put the spurs in and lean back. The further back you lean, the deeper the spurs dig into the pole and the more steady you will be. Also, interestingly enough, when you trust the belt, which you need to inspect every time you go up, you should inspect it every time, you have two hands that suddenly have the capacity to actually do something other than hold the pole. I've thought about that experience an awful lot as one who tries to follow Christ. The closer I try to hold on to that thing, the more likely I am to slip. The further back I lean into that trust, the more stable I become. Not only do I become more stable, I begin to have the ability to do something that my Lord calls not only me, but all of us as Christians to do. I can work for God's creation, but I've got to trust the Lord. The more I try and take care of myself, the less I can do that I'm supposed to do. I do not think that this is only a call for me. I think it is our call. We are assured every time we turn around. And I heard Jeff talk about this a lot last week too, is that we are called to believe the words spoken to us that we are beloved of God. What's important to distinguish within this framework too is that there's a difference between like and love. What we encounter with the words of confession is that there might be lots of reasons why God might not like me under <laughs> a fairly broad range of reasons, but God loves me and continues to hold on to me and to you, not because you are so good at something, but for reasons that we can't comprehend. It's the same thing that binds us together when we find love with another. It's awfully hard to say um, completely fully, well, I love you because... In fact, I get a little bit scared about that because if that because should ever go away, that will mean that you stop loving me. But God's promise is sure. I am beloved. Think about that. I am beloved by God. You are beloved by God. You are held and cherished in all circumstances that you find yourself. 
And the interesting word is that it doesn't belong just to the people within this room. For God so loved the world that. There's a whole world out there desperately needing to encounter in some kind of way that word. It's not always with the words of our mouth you understand. Just as we identify Jesus as God's word, that word takes real meat and um, muscle out into the world to be experienced. Not just said, not just heard. Although those are important. They are important. But also experienced. The reason our children learn to trust us is because we have taken care of them when they were helpless. They would never be able to explain that to you at that time. <laughs> Most of them aren't able to explain that 40 years later. <laughs> That's okay. We have the same trouble having lived under that kind of protective care as long as we've been alive with God, and we don't know how to talk about it most of the time. God is that belt. We can. We are called to lean back into God's hands. God wants us to find out what kind of incredible things can happen when our hands have been freed to care for others. Amen. Go forth, looking into the mirror to explore the reflection of the love that ever holds us. Leaning back into our lives, even when we slip, trusting that God will turn the ambiguities of our hearts into gifts freely given on behalf of others. Mm -hmm.